Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. You know part of the philosophy of this program is to celebrate greatness wherever you find it, in life, in sports, or otherwise. And I have never taken for granted the fact that we have one of the greatest rivalries in all of American sports right here in our backyard. Every time Duke and Carolina get together, the players are jacked up, the fans are jacked up. There are two Hall of Fame coaches going back at it tomorrow night. Mike Krzyzewski, of course, of the Devils, and our guest now, Roy Williams of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Coach, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Uh, just trying to figure out what something's going on the next couple of days. It keeps getting my attention, but I can't remember what it is. <laughs> Six o'clock tomorrow, Cameron, ESPN, if you can't get there. I'll be there, Coach. I'll, re I'll send you a text. I'll remind right, you where you're supposed to. Wake me up. <laughs> hey, Coach, a lot of folks would not have expected, given your struggles this season, that you could almost beat Duke at the Smith Center. Oh, how do you explain when you almost beat him, it goes to overtime, you lose the thriller, of course. Is that human nature? Is it more intense focus or preparation? What explains the throw out the records aspect of this? Well, I hope we can throw out the records tomorrow also <laughs> because if you go by the records, it's not going to be a very good day for us. But I think that our kids really got ready to play. They played at a high level. Duke played at a very high level as well. Trey Jones made some unbelievable plays at the end, made more unbelievable plays than we could make, and I think that was the story of the whole game. But our guys, it was uh, – one of the most, if not the most heartbreaking loss in a regular season that uh, uh, we've ever had to handle, but we tried to handle it, and we get another chance tomorrow to see what happens. You have worn your emotions on your sleeve for as long as I have known you, and it's probably hard to recreate whatever you felt on senior day. Uh, but you were really emotional as you thanked UNC students, and then you made sure you turned around and thanked all the older folks uh, as well. What went into those emotions? Was it in part because it's been a, a difficult year, and uh, it sounded like you believe that a huge chunk of people had your back all, the, all along the way? Well, it was – yeah, David, you got it right, because it was something that – a lot of games this year, you know, we uh, didn't make plays down the stretch and our fans were in it completely. And then all of a sudden a big letdown at the last part of the game. And, and our, our student body, and as I call them, the old folks sitting over there across the way, uh, everybody kept coming and they really stuck with us. And, and I was very appreciative, am very appreciative about uh, the attendance that we had, the enthusiasm that we had. And I think our crowd was uh, a lot better than the head coach was all year long. And I just really uh, appreciated their care and their efforts to try to help us in their uh, love of our Carolina basketball program that would make them come uh, back to the games when we were really struggling more than we've ever struggled. Coach Smith used to say, you know, David, there are a billion Chinese who don't care whether the Tar Heels or the Blue Devils win this game. Uh, and you've told us, Coach, this is not a sick kid at a hospital. This is not somebody starving or not knowing how they're going to pay the rent. But this is the roughest record-wise season of your entire coaching career at the college level. Where do you go to deal with adversity? I mean, is it a family thing? Did Dean Smith have pearls of wisdom, a favorite book, uh, your, your assistants? What helps you get through basketball tough times? I don't know that I am getting through that. <laughs> That's the tough part. You know, it's uh, I try not to do too, 
too much with my family because they already know how I'm struggling or anything. So I don't ask them for help or anything like that. Uh, most of the old coaches that I used to call and uh, talk to are out of the business or in some sad, sad situations. They're not with me anymore. But uh, usually it's just uh, in the middle of the night I get up by myself and just sort of stare out into the backyard seeing if there's some wisdom out there that I, that I haven't seen or if there'll be a magical bunny come bopping up on the back porch or something like that but it's it has been a hard year for us but at the same time as we you said when you were asking the question I sit back and realize how fortunate and how lucky I am because some people really have some tremendous problems and and uh, I'm uh, just feel like it. I'm dying over some things, and I look at it, and it's a it's a basketball game, and yet it means something to me, and it's I have a passion for that, and uh, I like to be competitive, and sometimes this year we haven't been as competitive as I've wanted us to be, but uh, like I say, uh, then I sit back and think how lucky I am too. One of the great phrases you have given us over the years, when I would ask you a question about you know having juniors and seniors back on a certain team, you would say. Uh, experienced success together is far more important than merely having experience. Um, Is there a common denominator in those so many close late losses that you had? And, you know, can a three-game winning streak be at least a little dose of experienced collective success that can propel this team forward? Well, I hope so, you know, because everybody loves talent, and if you can't have talent, you love experience, but that experienced talent is the best that you always have, but being able to be successful, David, is uh, uh, something that gives you more confidence and makes you think that you can do it again. And we ran through a stretch here that uh, uh, we didn't make those plays at the end of the game. I uh, jokingly referred to it, but it's not very uh, humorous. My first year here as an assistant, uh, I think it was five, could have been four, but I'll say five. We won five games where the other team uh, had the last shot to win the game, and they missed all five. Yeah including a very good player in uh, uh, Charlotte going to the free throw line with 0-0 on the clock and missing the free throws, and we won in overtime. And so we had some of those, whereas this year we've had six games that if we had gotten a defensive stop, uh, we could have won every one of those games. Instead, we went 0 for 6. And so uh, I told Coach Smith a long time ago, that's what I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it looked like great coaching to me. And so I've been as far away from great coaching as you could get. But I do believe the more you win, the more you win. And I think that I, you've probably heard me say this, that when you're playing golf, you make the first putt. The more you make, the more you make. And I, I think there's something to that confidence. And, and we've gotten a little bit more confidence these last three games, and, and we'll be challenged as the, the greatest challenge we've had all year will be tomorrow. Unfortunately for me, you know that putts dropping feeling a lot better than I do. Uh, Roy Williams. <laughs> there was a time, but it's been a long time, I can tell you that. He is a three-time NCAA champion as a head coach with the Tar Heels, of course. He's already in the Hall of Fame. Uh, 18 regular season championships in his 32 years as a head coach at Kansas and Carolina combined. If you were to explain to us how you've gone from you know six games where you didn't even reach 60 points earlier this year that is 
so uncharacteristic of your teams and, and you know, of course, unprecedented. It has Kirshner running in all directions to try to keep uh, track of all the crazy numbers. If you were trying to explain how you're now on this roll, you know, 90 points per game, that's not like a slight difference. That's night and day. Is it a technical basketball explanation or is there like a common man's easy language explanation for what has changed? Yeah, no, there's no uh, common easy explanation. I think you know, I can give you several factors. Uh, Cole was getting uh, to the stage where he's more healthy than he's been, you know, all season since he went out for the injury. Uh, Garrison has just gotten more and more confidence inside. And uh, Christian Keeling, who early in the year was having, throw, having trouble throwing it in the ocean yeah. from the beach, is now making shots. Teams that we're playing don't mind the tempo uh, at a faster pace, whereas some of the teams we played early, we couldn't get them out of their slow tempo. And so it was, uh, it's, it's more than one answer, but I think uh, B Rob back healthier, making more shots, even though, you know, he's just had a struggle all year long of his ankle and trying to stay healthy. But I think it's all of those reasons. And every day we go to work at practice trying to push the pace, trying to push the pace. And after today, we practice 88, I think. Uh, I think we're getting it a little bit more, and we've uh, emphasized it a great deal, and I think they emphasize it themselves a little bit more and concentrate on it better. Tar Heels at Blue Devils tomorrow, 6 o'clock ESPN. We will see you at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Uh, what is your? You've, you've been asked questions from every single angle on this uh, famous sports rivalry. Is there something about that crazy short eight-mile road trip or playing the game specifically in front of the Cameron Crazies that is, is different in some memorable way or, or more exciting than, uh, you know, it's fun at the Smith Center, of course, but what is different or, or enjoyable about being the road team in this great rivalry? I've always loved that experience of going on the road and winning games. I've always taken a great deal of pride in trying to push our kids to get them to understand that they can win. And that's as difficult as an environment as you can possibly be in. And, uh, you know, the the pageantry of a, a big game with 9,000 people, not only sitting very close to you, but sitting very close to everybody. Uh, you know, they're right on top of you. And the intimacy of that sometimes is not as good, depending on uh, how hard somebody's perspiring right beside of you or something. Yeah. But uh, it is a great scenario, and I do love going to – play on the road and trying to hold our concentration at a higher level, knowing that we're not going to get uh, uh, the little bit of enthusiasm from the crowd. Uh, it's it's something that I think I try to motivate our kids and get them to enjoy part of it. And, and the other thing is that we've had pretty good teams that uh, we've had uh, not great success, but we've had some sometimes we've had some pretty good success there too. You know the records. Duke is 24 and 6, 14 and 5 in the league. Y'all are near the bottom, 13 and 17, 6 and 13 in the league. This three-game winning streak has some of your own fan base not only dreaming of a win tomorrow, uh, but also you know making some kind of thrilling run in Greensboro at the ACC tournament next week with that automatic NCAA tournament bid. Uh, my question, Coach, would be: do you, When you watch your team through this three-game winning streak, do you at least feel like? You're playing a caliber of basketball that looks a little bit more like what Florida State and Duke and Louisville and UVA have been playing because they're the only four that know they're in the big dance right now, and you and everybody else going to Greensboro is trying to get there. 
Well, I do think that these three games, I've even told them a couple of times, and even in one of our losses, I told them I was glad to see the team show up that I thought I was going to be coaching all year because of how they competed and how effective they were. So it does give us hope, and we realize it's a huge mountain, but we also the ones that put us in the valley. So we got to, we know if we put ourselves in the valley, we're the only ones that can crawl out. And so we're trying to do it inside, in practice every day, trying to get better, and then uh, we'll see what happens when we get a chance. If you bump into two chains tomorrow, by any chance, I got a make, line for him. Make sure you say it. Three rings, man. It's it's uh, timing is everything in this world, Coach. You got it right, David. I missed it the other time. If I have a chance this time, I'll say it. Except when I'll say it, I'll probably mumble. It. I don't want anybody to hear me bragging the way my our record looks like right now. I'm not bragging. You're a wise man. Thanks, Coach, for dropping by. Good luck against the Blue Devils tomorrow. All right, David, thank you very much. You got it. Roy Williams, the Hall of Famer from North Carolina, 6 o'clock ESPN. Our guest later, Dallin Cuff from the ACC Network, will drop by to talk more March Madness, more Duke Carolina, uh, the coaching carousel with Wake fans and Boston College fans and even uh, Georgia Tech fans wondering if this is the year that their schools make a change. Congratulations to Lavelle Moten and NC Central. There are other for winning the MEAC regular season title last night. Head-to-head -head victory over the A&T Aggies as those two teams head to Norfolk as the top two seeds in the MEAC tournament. There will be the first automatic NCAA tournament bids earned this weekend. So it's the Atlantic Sun. Uh, in our backyard, the Big South. Gardner-Webb is in the semifinals tonight against Winthrop in that league. Missouri Valley, the Mountain West, the Ohio Valley. Uh, they all crown tournament champions this Saturday or Sunday, the next two days. Almost everybody else, of course, is next week. But even the Southern Conference, where UNC Greensboro and Western Carolina, two good teams in that league that this year, although not the favorites, that's ETSU especially. On Monday night in Asheville, they will crown that conference champion as well. Someone will grab that automatic bid. So we'll see some of the bracket come when we get together next on the Monday edition of our program. We'll, of course, be headed to Greensboro next week for the ACC tournament. We will see you in Cameron tomorrow night as the Tar Heels visit the Blue Devils. Round two, the regular season rematch between Duke and Carolina, one of the great rivalries in all of American sports. Dallin Cuff of the ACC Network later, more March Madness. That means more time for your phone calls. We have hit the coronavirus, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, the Canes, the Panthers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Tiger Woods, little PGA, little NASCAR. The ACC Women's Tournament will be coming down the stretch this weekend in Greensboro with Louisville and NC State among the better teams in the nation. The Wolfpack women of Westmore trying to end State's long drought of ACC titles in the most prominent sports. They have a shot, and they have been in the national top 10 for much of this season. 1-800-849-2761. You steer the ship on the other side. It can be a question. It can be a comment. It can be a complaint. It can be from something earlier this week when the lines were jammed Monday through Thursday and you just couldn't get in because of a busy signal. 1-800-849-2761. One more great guest later. Our thanks to Roy Williams of Carolina for dropping by. It's back way to it's back to halfway to Margaritaville phone calls with you. 1-800-849-2761. That is next on the David Glenn Show. 
Dean in Wilmington, you're up on the David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations is so sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours. Okay? <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Joe in Raleigh wants to be next on Free For All Friday. Dallin Cuff of the ACC Network will help us probe the week that was and the weekend to come in college basketball as we invite your calls as well. 1-800-849-2761. A reminder of what the weekend has waiting for us. If you're an NBA fan, it doesn't get much better unless it's the playoffs. Over the next three days, you will see the three best teams go head-to-head -head against each other. It is not quite a full round robin, but tonight in the late game on ESPN, it is the Milwaukee Bucks, clearly the beast of the East, with Giannis Antetokounmpo and a good supporting cast against LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers. That's late night tonight in NBA action. Duke Carolina, of course, always popular, part of the college basketball menu. That's tomorrow evening, 6 o'clock. I will see you at Cameron. But the NBA action continues through Sunday when it will be the Lakers as the visitors against the Clippers as the host on Sunday afternoon. As you might guess, that is a big-time national TV game as well. So as the NBA heats up past the three-quarter pole of the regular season, as Canes fans try to or hope for the Canes to get out of their rut, losers of five of six, including last night at Philadelphia. Matinee tomorrow afternoon against the Islanders. Another matinee on Sunday afternoon against the Penguins. They're both road games, remember. So tough slams are out of playoff position and losers of four straight five of six. Meanwhile, obviously on Sunday afternoon against the Penguins. They're both road games, remember. So tough sledding for the Carolina Hurricanes as they're out of playoff position and losers of four straight and five of their last six. Meanwhile, obviously college basketball is front and center in every way as we look forward to Dallin Cuff's visit thank Roy Williams for dropping by from the Tar Heels Duke Carolina six o'clock Cameron ESPN if you cannot get there in person we'll go to Joe and Raleigh and I'll remind you that Wake visits state tonight the Danny, Danny Manning era may be coming to a close, not tonight, but next week in Greensboro. NC State is bubblicious, needs to beat the Deacons tonight, but also win probably two games in Greensboro at the ACC tournament to feel comfortable on the right side of the NCAA bubble. Florida State is poised to post its first regular season title ever as an ACC member. Leonard Hamilton and the Seminoles must only beat Boston College in Tallahassee for that to happen. But Louisville has a shot as well. Tougher task for the Cardinals. They are visiting UVA in Charlottesville, and the Cavaliers may be the hottest team in the ACC right now as winners of seven consecutive games, including those over Duke and Carolina and rival Virginia Tech and Notre Dame in overtime. Joe and Raleigh is next on Free For All Friday. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, Dave. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Good to hear from you. How's it going in your world? I cannot complain, my friend. Living the dream. That's what I like to hear. What's on your mind today? I think, I think uh, Duke wins by 30 tomorrow. I don't even think it's a close game. But what I want to talk about specifically is Coach K. I, I know last year I, I still haven't worked. Dean got over it. I can't speak for Coach K or any other Duke fan. But I don't think there will be a more talent from this sport until Coach K retires. But I think talented Duke team 
from this point forward until Coach K retires. That Carolina fans know that Williams and Coach K players. But I think that, that Carolina fans and Duke fans know that Roy are on the back nine. And whenever either coach decides to retire, Williams and Coach K are on the back nine. And whenever either coach decides to then I think this rivalry changes. I don't know if it – I don't think it could change for the better. It'll still be a great rivalry. Yeah. But, but it'll change. And Coach K seems a little ornery this year as far as, you know, you, you, it's, it's hard to complain as a Duke fan because, A, you know, you know you got the best coach in the history of, uh, of the world that God ever created. But I, I think Coach K needs to know that, I, that me, like a lot of other Duke fans, we just want to see Duke succeed. And he has set the bar so high that I, I don't think he can complain when we, we, just, we just want Duke to win. We just want Coach K to succeed. We don't want to root against him. We don't want to say anything negative about him. But when, when you go from having that much talent last year to not even making the Final Four, and you know that Coach K coaching career, then you see the writing on the wall. Is that so is that fr- is people. that friends who hear you on the air calling in and interrupting with uh, your your call waiting? Is that what that is, Joe? No, I, I don't. It's, <laughs> it, it might be a signal. No, no one knows. I, no I problem. Have, uh, diagnosed this time for no one to interrupt me. Last year's team was mega talented, as you described. They were lacking in the experience department to a great degree. They still had a great year, right? Just not, as you said, great by the lofty standards of Duke because they have five national titles under Coach K and all those ACC titles. So to see Zion and RJ and those guys come up short in the Elite Eight, even after winning the ACC title, even on the way to National Player of the Year honors, yes, that's a disappointment only by the standards standards of Duke and a few others. And you're right about, it's not only the back nine. I mean, what would you say, Joe? Kay and Roy, I mean, they might be on the 16th green right about now. If you want to extend that golf analogy a little bit further, it's not just the back nine, man. Let's see, Kay just turned, what, was it 73? And Roy's in his late 60s. So I think maybe you're on the 17th tee at this point for those two guys. Absolutely. And, and it's, the rivalry means so much more to the fan. I mean, I don't know what it means to Roy and Coach K. I'm sure it's very important. It is. But but Coach K needs to realize that we are with him. Yeah. That the world might be against him, but Duke fans are with him. And all we want to see is, is, is more wins, more national championships, and appreciate it. But you yeah. can't deny the fact that part of me, but, uh, you know, every time I see Coach K, a little bit me knows that, that that it's all coming to an end. But yeah. tomorrow, the, as far as the rivalry, Roy Williams ruined his season when he said that this is the most uh, less gifted team I've ever had when you're in charge of recruiting. Obviously, Roy Williams has quit, and so it's not <laughs> even going to be a game tomorrow. But Coach K still needs to know that we're in it. Carolina fans have given up. They, they realize that Roy Williams no longer wants to recruit anymore at a high level. So the, it's not really a rivalry anymore because Coach K has destroyed Carolina, humiliated them, and made them look like the cheating uh, backwoods program that they are. It's funny. Joe and Raleigh got about to the 90 90- – about 90 yards down the 100-yard football field and made almost entirely cogent points, coherent points, fair-minded points. And then he turned in to poke the bear, Joe. It's still a rivalry. You know, you all know the deal, and thanks to Joe for calling. 
Uh, in the 40-year Coach K era, it's 48 wins for the Blue Devils and 46 wins for the Tar Heels. So, yeah, it's a down year for Carolina. It's another great year for Duke. Uh, but the rivalry is just fine and will continue to be just fine. Dallin Cuff, ACC Network, next on the David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest played at Columbia back in the day. Now an outstanding college basketball analyst for ESPN and the ACC Network. Duke is at Carolina tomorrow night. I will see everybody at Cameron. Wake visits NC State tonight. Some conferences have their tournaments coming to fruition over the next several days, crowning champions and earning team-by-team team NCAA tournament bids. We welcome in, as we look forward to this weekend's version of March Madness, Dallin Cuff. Dallin, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? PG, great rundown. Best time of the year. You laid it all out. Let's go. It's incredible, isn't it? Uh, Duke, Carolina, what did you know of it long before you were a broadcaster? Many do describe it as one of America's greatest sports rivalries up there with, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, and other things. How far away from North Carolina were you as a young person, and did the magnitude of Duke, Carolina hit you as a young basketball player? 110%. Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and I, I, the first game I really remember clearly I, was the Jeff Cable game, the shot. Oh, wow. From, uh, so, but I remember that, that, that just the magnitude, how crazy it was, and sitting there and watching my dad. He played for Duquesne back in the day. And, uh, so basketball family, we were all, all into it. And then I, I became just really – I was obsessed with basketball, but a funny story on that note. I didn't realize you couldn't get players' names on jerseys back then. Neither did my mom. She didn't know a clue. <laughs> so we drove around the city of Pittsburgh one year. Right after, I was a big UCLA fan when they won in 94. And I wanted a Toby Bailey jersey. As a fellow light-skinned mixed guy, I was all about him. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted a Toby Bailey jersey real, real bad. Couldn't find that. We gave up on that. But then Antoine Jameson came up about a year later. We went all over looking for a, and The guy kept saying to us, I think you're going to have to buy a Carolina jersey. And then, like, get the numbers and name from him. I was yeah. like, that's ridiculous. We're never going to do that. Like, this is a stretch just to buy you this jersey. We're not doing the other stuff. But I was that, – that, that, I guess if you look back, I was much more a Carolina than a Duke guy. That is for sure uh, in terms of that rivalry. I do remember the, the Leitner shot very well, too. We watched that my brother's. Uh, and I got beat up for some reason because that shot went in. I have no idea why by my older brother. <laughs> uh, it was quite a, quite a traumatic experience. Given that you played this game at a high level – when you're asked to explain how does Carolina in its worst year in forever manage to almost beat Duke before losing in overtime 98 to 96 to the Blue Devils, you know the phrase throw the records out the window and Carolina fans are hoping that applies tomorrow night in Durham as well. Is it just human nature to these guys, you know, study video more, prepare for their opponent more specifically, get jacked up by the crowd that much more? What's going on from your players perspective? couple different things first and foremost it, 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 you do in some regard throw out the uh, the records man you don't you don't think about or worried about what happened yesterday last week last month it is about right now and that game always delivers and that crowd was outstanding so you have that on your side couple that with duke is still a very young team 
and they're coming into that environment. Yeah. And they're coming in thinking they're supposed to be really good, and they're thinking that North Carolina's not good. And, and on top of all that stuff, I don't think there's any more, there's no more you know, film prep or anything else going into it. It's a level of confidence and belief. And North Carolina's players wanted, had a one-two of desire and a belief in that game that they would win that game. And what, the most important thing was their start early on gave them confidence because a bunch of guys had the best game of their season. I mean, Christian Keeling, the night before, the game before, he had a double-digit performance, but that was like his best game until the final possession where he didn't pinch on the free throw, box out, and then he didn't box out Wendell Moore. Until that last 15 seconds, he played an outstanding game. Justin Pierce had a great game. Brooks was great. Cole, I mean, you just run down the whole group. Everybody played their best game, partially because of the opponent, partially because of confidence, a lot playing at home. And Duke was going up against a lot, being on the road with a young team. Trey Jones being asked to do some stuff that he hadn't been asked to do before in that setting. Vernon Carey having a rough night late. I mean, there were a bunch of different things that went out, came at them. And for Duke to walk away with that win was scarring, clearly, to UNC as they continue their losing streak. But they've now bounced back. They're playing their most confident basketball, whereas Duke is playing their worst ball of the year. So this, I think this is still going to be a tight game, even in Cameron. Dallin Cuff joining us. You can follow him right there at his name on Twitter, at Dallin Cuff. He's a college basketball analyst for ESPN and the ACC Network. It is Duke and Carolina tomorrow in our backyard. By the way, ACC Network and ESPN are hosting Super Blue Saturday at Devil's Craft House on the Duke campus tomorrow. Doors open at noon. Come for the fun. Stay to watch the game. Free admission, free food, all sorts of giveaways, pop-a-shot tournament, and other cool things there at Devil's Craft House on the Duke campus. Dallin Cuff of ACC Network joining us on the David Glenn Show. At ESPN.com as we speak, you know, the BPI is just one of the many measuring sticks out there. As we speak, it has Kansas, Duke, and Gonzaga as the three teams with the best chance to win it all. And the part that surprised me, Dallin, is that, you know, they crunch all the numbers and they suggest that those three schools, Kansas, Duke, and Gonzaga, combined have about a 50% chance of winning the NCAA tournament. And it feels like that runs against the narrative we've had this year where there is no super heavyweight, there's more chaos and unpredictability than usual. Uh, would you, are you, A, do you see Duke as on that plateau with Kansas and Gonzaga? And B, do you see the field as more wide open than those numbers suggest? Let's answer the Duke part first. Um, about three weeks ago, I would have said, yes, I see them on that level. They could go to a Final Four. I wasn't sure about that. They, they could win it. They could get there. Um, but I was always concerned with their youth and uh, they're maybe not realizing their potential because they still have a high ceiling. But we're in March now. There's not, there's not much potential left to be realized. You've got to put up or shut up. So I don't think Duke belongs to the same level of Kansas. I think Kansas and Baylor actually are in their own space right now. Okay. Um, Gonzaga is an elite and outstanding offensive team. Interesting to see when they get tested defensively, though, because bear in mind, they have not been tested really by quality opponents since December. That is a long time. Mark Few will always tell you, it's, it's hard to, to crank it back up like that. We try to approach every game. Like try to play, they try to approach every game like they're playing themselves, not worried about the score, but it's human nature. When you're, when you're playing in fear of competition and you're running up the score, it's different than, than being grinded in night in and night out in a high-level conference. So I don't put Gonzaga there. It doesn't go against the narrative, though, because I think – I think three teams getting 50% is probably small, but I do think there's more teams than I can recently remember that could win this thing. I think there's probably eight, nine. I, got, I should go through the exercise this week. Eight, yeah. nine, maybe ten teams. When I see the bracket actually come out, then I will actually say, okay, I can see the path. Because the matchups, folks, are so important. I think people miss that. 
how important the matchup is, how important the path is, who are you playing, what are the deficiencies or strengths of that team, and what could you exploit. And I think you can evaluate those things way differently. So in the abstract, I think there's probably eight, nine, maybe ten teams. When we see the bracket, it may change. It probably will go down, but maybe not significantly. I think there are, you know, Dayton is a team that people should not be surprised if they get to a Final Four. You know, we keep saying it. I realize how special Obi Toppin is, how great those guards are. They're all upperclassmen except for Obi, but he's a redshirt sophomore. Growing man. Been there before as a coach, uh, winning the high Well, Dayton team is outstanding. There's a number I can keep running through for you. That said, I don't, I, Duke, is, Duke, I don't think right now, is capable of making a Final Four. If they start to play like they did earlier in the year, in the next three weeks, through the ACC tournament, through the first round, maybe that'll change. Put on wax the last two weeks. That team's not making it to Atlanta. Dallin Cuff is joining us on the David Glenn Show. We're having a little trouble with your phone coming in and out, but we got most of that. So I'll follow up with one thing and hope that our signal stands in there strongly. As we head to Greensboro next week, no matter what happens this weekend, part of the conversation will be about, you know, these top four teams and they're all going to go to the big dance and they're the four favorites to win the ACC crown. Part of the conversation is going to be about guys like Danny Manning at Wake Forest and Jim Christian at Boston College. Uh, do you have a sense at this point, uh, even what the fan bases are thinking, you get a lot of feedback as we get a lot of feedback. Most of the time, if you're in a league like the ACC and you have zero NCAA trips in six years the way Jim Christian does, or only one in six years with five losing seasons the way Danny Manning does, most of the time, history tells us you lose your job. What is your sense at those two schools of uh, either the fans' feelings right now as you hear them or how good those jobs are should there be transitions? We'll start with Wake. And I, just from I mean, you talking to people and being around, I think there's with Wake there's a level of angst, um, longing for the nostalgia of the past, um, which is important. Um, with BC, there's a lot of apathy. I mean, that's a town that's a pro sports town, man. It's yep. hard to cut through more broadly in that city. So I know I lived there for a couple of years when I worked at the, uh, for NBC Sports Boston. Um, and a bunch of people there, and it doesn't even hit their radar. So it's a very different animal there. Um, that said, I think Jim Christian's a really good coach. That's probably the hardest job in the league. It's brutal to recruit there. They play in Conti Forum, which is which is an ice skating, which is a, which is a hockey arena. Right. Facilities are tough. Recruiting ground is not fertile. That's a really hard job. As is Wake, given where Wake has been in recent years, it's not an easy gig. Um, that said, there's a big financial piece of this, too. You know, I believe Danny Manning's contract yep. goes through 2024, 2025, if you want to read some of the reports that came out when he got that extension a few years ago. But there's different AD. John Curie's there. If he won his guy, are they willing to, or is some big uh, uh, donor willing to, to cut a check to get rid of who I think is a, is a good coach that's had some situations, yet, whether it's injuries, guys leaving. I mean, John Collins leaves, and rightfully so. He's doing great in the NBA. There's some transfer different situations. I still think he could find success there. But it's really difficult to do. If they do turn the page, a guy like Shaka Smart would be, I think Shaka Smart will be on the market with Texas, whether they make the tournament or not. Um, he's an outstanding coach who I think really thrives with that chip on his shoulder. And we saw what he did at VCU. When he had the Blue Blood program, he got away from habit, got away from what got him to that job. I think if you go back to a place where you're a little more of the underdog, a little more of the insurgent, with a great history, he might be able to turn something around pretty special if he would, if he would be willing to go there. But Again, there's a lot of factors coming in to see if coaches, unfortunately, uh, schools part ways with them, and those two are probably the candidates people most talk about. Uh, I hope it doesn't happen either one because they're both great guys and good coaches, but it is a, it is a business in which you got to win. 
Speaking of coaches, uh, our ballots are due for Coach of the Year in the ACC. Leonard Hamilton of Florida State's getting a lot of love. Tony Bennett of UVA is getting a lot of love. He's actually won four of the last six ACC Coach of the Year awards. Do you have yours set, or are you waiting for the weekend results? And, and if the latter, you know, who are your candidates? Good question. I haven't thought if I'm waiting for the results. I'm just waiting for some time to sit down and click the submit button on the, uh, <laughs> on the old ballot there that I got sent. Um, I, my, my, my vote is Leonard Hamilton, though. I thought from the job he's done from start to finish, uh, losing those six guys, he's built the system, he's built a program, he's got guys bought in. They know exactly what they're getting into in terms of being selfless uh, with their minutes and with their individual fame for the greater glory of that team. Uh, and he, he has them on the precipice of winning a winning a title in the ACC and potentially outright if, if Louisville yeah. loses at UVA, which I think they do lose at UVA this weekend. Um but I would give it to Leonard Hamilton. Nothing against Tony Bennett. He's done a great job unearthing how to get these guys offensively to move in the right direction. Tomas Walton Tensai getting more minutes, making shots. Kihei uh, Clark giving him a ton of confidence and helping him see the floor better, make better decisions, and then be a guy late game that they've been able to give the ball to to make plays. Uh, Diakite's been outstanding. I think he's done a great job turning their season around. But I think on the body of the entire season and what – Leonard Hamilton potentially could could uh, could claim here with a title. I, I think I'd turn and give it to Hamilton for sure. Last thing, ACC Player of the Year is that uh, already a push the send button thing, or still contemplating? No, there's a lot of contemplation there. I, I really don't know which way I'm going to go there. I mean, there's a number of good candidates, um, and and I'm not sure who I'm going to go with there. It would be one of those things that if if they win, especially Trent Forrest, you know, sets the agenda for them. The Oles offensively and then defensively, excuse me, and then offensively, how good he's been late games. He's kind of emerged in the last couple weeks as their alpha dog. I think that's an off-the-wall off the, off the wall pick, and I'm sure most many people aren't thinking that. That just kind of popped in my head. Trey Jones, Vernon Carey, yeah. Jordan War are, are the classic you know, three that people are probably going to pick from. Um, but I think it's a really difficult award this year because nobody has stood out as hands and shoulders better, better than anybody else, similar to just college hoops in general across the, across the country. Nobody has just been head and shoulders above anybody else his name is dallin cuff follow him on twitter at dallin cuff college hoops analyst for espn and the acc network thank you for the visit as always enjoy the rest of march madness anytime dj have a good one you too another quick reminder espn and the acc network are hosting super blue saturday tomorrow at devil's craft house on the duke campus doors open at noon you can go for the fun and stay to watch the game it is a watch party of sorts free admission free food giveaways a little acapella singing a papa shot tournament that is tomorrow in the many hours leading up to the six o'clock or so tip it is the tar heels at the blue devils at cameron i will see you there so will our guest ala abdul nabi from earlier today so will our guest the hall of fame roy, hall of famer roy williams coach of the Tar Heels, three rings and all. 1-800-849-2761. We will be coming down the stretch on the other side. Jimmy Buffett always takes us into the sports weekend here on the David Glenn Show. We'd like to say we're halfway to Margaritaville. Who better than Buffett with his lovely cruise to take us in to the bridge from Saturday afternoon to the weekend that awaits us. 
We have time for your phone calls as well. Last call, four calls, college basketball, NFL, big NBA weekend, huge important weekend for your Carolina Hurricanes. Great chance to get out and about, not only for college hoops, college tournaments, Duke Carolina, Wake at State tonight, some of the best college baseball teams in the country call North Carolina home, and many of them are home. Duke is nationally ranked and hosting nationally ranked Florida State. Wake is a very good team again this year, hosting top 10 Louisville. Carolina has been in the top 25 this season, hosting the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. It is the ramping up of conference play in baseball at the college level, just as they're ramping down conference competition in men's and women's basketball. The Wolfpack of NC State, by the way, still hasn't lost a game for Elliott Avent. They're on the road, so a three-game set at the Virginia Cavs. Last call for phone calls, a little buffet, a little reminder of what the weekend has in store for you in the sports world. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us next on The David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this. this is everything open, man. We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. As we have a last call for phone calls, Patrick wants to give a shout-out. Jerry has a March Madness question. Hall of Famer Roy Williams has dropped by on his way to Cameron Indoor Stadium. I will see you there as the Devils host the Heels. Ala Abdel Nabi will see you there. Our guest earlier, former Duke big fella. He'll be at Cameron, he told us. Big weekend in the NBA. Bucks at Lakers tonight. Two of the very best in the league. They are the conference leaders. Could that be an NBA championship series preview? Well, the Clippers have something to say about that. And it's the Lakers at the Clippers on Sunday afternoon, ABC. March Madness will have the majority of my sports focus this weekend. The lovely and talented Maria is also returning from a business trip. So she will have a chunk of my focus as well. I'll see you at the Duke Carolina game. I'll be watching Wake visiting NC State tonight. But Bucks at Lakers this evening. Lakers at Clippers on Sunday afternoon. Tonight, ESPN, the late game. Sunday, ABC, the next national game that's about as good as it gets in terms of nba regular season action conference tournaments come down the stretch the big south will crown a tournament gardner webb still alive in the semis there the southern conference tournament in asheville north carolina will crown a champion monday night unc greensboro and western carolina are good teams in that league with big dreams with the quarterfinals starting tomorrow let's get patrick's shout out in We'll see if we can squeeze Jerry in as well on college basketball. 1-800-849-2761 as Jimmy Buffett's lovely cruise takes us into the weekend. Patrick and Raleigh, you're next on the David Glenn Show. What's going on, DG? Happy Free For All Friday. Thanks, man. What's on your mind? Hey, wanted to give a quick shout-out to a local Raleigh celebrity who's flying under the radar. All right. Does the, name, uh, does the name Mike Griffin ring a bell? Mike Griffin sounds Czechoslovakian to me. Yeah, well, he's actually Canadian, but he's a good friend of mine and a client <laughs> of our realty business. But he is the ma he's managing the Czech Republic national baseball team yeah. that's going to be playing in the World Baseball Classic. And so along the likes of Bruce Bochy, 
Barry Larkin, some other famous baseball name tour managers. We've got a local Raleigh guy who's going to be representing, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to give him some love on the show. That's very Check it cool. Out on MLB.com, they got a good write up about the Czech team and how they're going to be a sleeper in the tournament. Raleigh's own Mike Griffin. I was joking about the Czech part. I think Darren in the World Basketball Classic and other competitions. Uh, the the baseball classic. Wouldn't you need to be Czechoslovakian to be a Czechoslovakian baseball player? To be a player. But that's not the case for the managers. No, so Mike Griffin's fine. Yeah, he's fine. And Patrick mentioned Bruce Bochy, who's going to be coaching a team, not the United States. And, you know, other managers get those kinds of gigs with regularity. Hey, Mike could be Czechoslovakian on his mother's side. We're not sure. No, it's not true. required by rules. I mean, it could be a small percentage. In could the you be calling games involving Team USA against Team Czechoslovakia at some point? Then it would just be a big family affair. From Patrick to Mike Griffin <laughs> in the dugout, you're in the broadcast booth. You're all over USA Baseball, no? I am. It's a, a possibility, although the networks, they, get, they tend to get dibs on the World Baseball Classic stuff. Uh, they play a lot of, you know, exhibitions and things in the build-up to those events, though, that I, I get to call. In the background, you hear Jimmy Buffett, yet another talented individual, taking us into the weekend. We try to turn 15 hours of sports radio every week into a lovely cruise of sorts through the sports headlines for you, the fine people and sports fans of the great state of North Carolina. We have discussed most of your menu options. It just doesn't beat Bucks at Lakers tonight, NBA. Lakers at Clippers Sunday afternoon. Canes at the Islanders tomorrow afternoon at the Penguins Sunday afternoon. Duke Carolina tomorrow. I will see you there. Wake at State tonight. Conference tournaments. Enjoy March Madness in all of its forms. We hope to see you Monday right here on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.